Why, O oh Lord, do you stand so far from me? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Don't turn your back on me when I need you so desperately. My eyes fail looking for you. Good morning. It's good to see you guys. It always is good to see you. Always good to be together. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now from an off-site campus or uh, on the internet or uh, maybe listen to a podcast or in one of the venues, chapel or warehouse. We're glad that you guys uh, are along too. Christmas is in the air. Amazing how you turn the corner, Thanksgiving, and uh, suddenly it's December and it's Christmas. We've got lights. I know I went uh, this past week and... Um, Watch the lighting of a Christmas tree. That's always fun. There are going to be Christmas parades. I have already ridden enough children's trains with my grandchildren. In fact, I've ridden almost as many children's trains already as touchdowns that Cam Newton scored on South Carolina. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, let's move on, shall we? So, so we're, we're around the office, you know, and we're, we're brainstorming ideas for, to name the Christmas series a few weeks ago. And, and so told one of the staffers, I said, we're going to call it Hidden God. They said, Hidden God? I mean, that's not very cheery. I mean, it's Christmas, Hidden God. And they said, well, but it, it kind of fits, though. They said with kind of the theme of the year, it's kind of been a depressing year. He said, you, you know, with the economic downturn and stuff, and then you started the year off with a series called, Why Aren't You Dead Yet? <laughs> if you remember that one, yeah? It was better than the title, okay? And then, uh, and, and then you asked us not to eat anything for 21 days, a fast. And then we got back into Acts, and the end of Acts was about, you know, beatings and whippings and martyrdom and all of that. And, uh, and and then you uh, and then you announced that you were going to go on a sabbatical, and that depressed a bunch of people. And then when you got back, you tried to lighten the mood with a series on sex. How many of you remember that one? <laughs> and all we managed to do was combine depression with awkwardness, you know. And and so now we decide to end the year with a series about God hiding from you. Well, that sounds real cheery. Well, I tried to explain Christmas is the perfect time to talk about a series called Hidden God. Because while most of us, you know, we're, we're, we're ready, we're excited, and, you know, it's kind of a, it, it is a great season. It's a season when all over the world, now that I've started to get out a little bit and see what they do around the world, it really is a time uh, when the whole world celebrates, you know. And maybe they don't sell, everybody doesn't celebrate exactly right or use the right words or whatever. And by the way, don't get hung up on a lot of that stuff. Just celebrate the fact that the world celebrates peace on earth. And it's great. But you know what? Christmas also tends to turn the volume up sometimes on our pain. Have you ever been there? All you have to do is fill in the blank on this. The first Christmas since. You know, if it's the first Christmas since you lost a loved one. I remember the first Christmas after my mother died. Um, the first Christmas since you moved or the first Christmas since, you know, 
the, the last of the children, you know, left the house or whatever it happens to be, the first Christmas, it's, it, can, it can turn the volume up on the hurt and the pain in, in your life. And Christmas is really God's announcement to a hurting world that I'm here. God is here, Emmanuel, literally. God among us, Christ is here. It's His announcement. And even though we're going to talk about what it feels like uh, when it seems like God is hiding, and we're going to talk a little bit today especially about some practical things that you can do when, you, it, when it just seems like, where are you, God? Um, the point of this series is that God is here. God is among us. And I hope that uh, as we conclude it on Christmas Eve with God Revealed, uh, we're going to even sense that more and more. All right, let, let, let me ask you this. How many of you, it's, it's this, you know, we're, we're not too far along in the Christmas season. How many of you have read the Christmas story at least once already? Okay, a few. It's sprinkling of people. Great. We're all going to do that. What do you think of when you read the Christmas story? What do you think of in the kind of the context of it? You know, we know that there were a nation of Jewish people who were eagerly awaiting uh, for the Messiah to show up. That was a big deal. That's something every Jewish child knew about, that we're waiting for the Messiah. We know that they are, you know, under uh, probably as, as uh, bad of oppression as they've been uh, ever in the history of their country, and they're longing for this Messiah to come. Now, those of us who are gathered here, because we know that the baby in the manger was uh, with the teenage mom was the Messiah, we celebrate his birth, and it makes us feel a certain way. But the truth is, there were a lot of people, in fact, most people, actually missed God's arrival in the context of the Scripture. Some of them didn't believe in God at all. Those who were Romans or Greeks, they had you know, their own gods or all kinds of different gods. They uh, worshipped pagan gods. But, but they, they didn't believe in the God that we believe in or the God that the Jewish people were anticipating. And so they missed what was going on. It wasn't really that big of a deal. Some who did believe were looking for God in the wrong places. They had a picture of what God was like. And when he showed up, they didn't see him. And they missed him. It probably seemed like God was hiding to them. But he really wasn't. He was announcing, I am here. Well, what about you? What about you? Have you ever had kind of a where are you God moment? Have you really? I mean, think about it. We, we, we all have. Have you ever had a, had a time when it seemed like God was hiding? Maybe it was a time when you were praying about something, something that was important to you, that you, you really felt like you needed an answer to, and it seemed like heaven was, you know, silent. Where are you, God? It felt like God was hiding. Maybe it uh, was when you're reading Scripture, you know, and maybe you're in a small group and somebody's sharing how that the Scripture is so powerful and it's so alive to them. But honestly, for you, you just don't understand it. And maybe it's, you know, it's been weeks or months or maybe you've never really read it where you've had those moments that it just jumps out and it makes sense to you and, and, and you read and you try and you want to and you go, God, where are you? You're hidden from me. Maybe it's when you're overwhelmed by circumstances beyond your control. I think of last week. Some of you weren't here last weekend. But uh, Emily Coulson, uh, 
You remember, I mean, one of the um, kind of the images that stuck out to me was the rocking chair. You know, when, when she would look at that chair and she would sit in that chair and she would sit in that chair for, for, for long moments as a mother of a child with autism. When it finally dawns on her, this is not going to change much. God, where are you? Hidden God. Feels like God is hiding. Maybe it's when there's an, a natural tragedy, you know, like 9-11, and we all wondered, God, how could this happen? Or, or, or maybe uh, something like the, this, uh, 9-11 wasn't, uh, it was national, it wasn't natural. How about natural things? How about the tsunami? Remember when that happened? Or how about a year ago, almost right now, when the earthquake hit Haiti and one of your fleeting thoughts are, God, where, how, how, where are you, God? How could this happen? And God seems hidden. Or maybe it's when you think you're doing everything right and nothing seems to be working. Any testimonies on that? You know, God, where are you? And God seems hidden. Or maybe it's when you really blow it. When you really screwed up. When you really fail at something, you wonder, God, why did you allow me to do that? Where, where are you? Or maybe you're kind of like the Buffalo receiver playing against the Steelers recently in overtime, wide open, in the end zone, ball's right here, and he misses it. And they end up losing, and then he twitters, I praise you 24-7, and this is how you do me. <laughs> True story. I was talking about that with a Steeler fan this week, and he said, oh, God was in that all the way. I mean, that was not a problem. But you know what? If we're honest, we've all been there. And some of you are there now. What do you do when everybody else feels God's presence and you don't even feel like a Christian? You don't feel anything. What do you do when God seems hidden? Now, before we talk about the what, which I want to really get into some practical what's, what do you do? Let's talk about the why, okay? Because it's important to understand why it is that God seems hidden sometimes. Let me give you two or three ideas on that. One reason God seems hidden is sometimes we're the ones doing the hiding. We're playing hide-and-seek from God. I was in a restaurant the other day with some of my grandkids, and, and one of them, about 18 months old, uh, you know, I looked over and kind of made eyes with her and all this kind of stuff, and she picks up a, a coat, and she plays hide-and-seek. You know, all kids like to play hide-and-seek. If you want to get into their world, just play hide-and-seek. Sometimes I'll just pick up like a little glass and hide behind it, you know, as if, as if I'm hidden, you know. And they think they're hidden, but they're not. They're playing hide-and-seek with somebody that can see them. And we do the same thing with God. It began in the garden. You remember Adam and Eve, first story in the Bible. They have this incredible relationship with God. I mean, can you imagine um, God that created the universe? It seems that he walked with them in the garden. can't even imagine. I mean, God said, hey, let's take a walk in the garden. See, look at this. I created that. This is what you know about it, but let me tell you some intricacies about it, how it really works, and have those kinds of conversations and, and just relationship with God, and then they sinned. And what was sin? What is sin? Sin is it, kind of at its simplest form. It's saying, I know more than you do, God. It's saying, I know more about what makes me happy. I know more about what I should be doing than you do. And so I'm going to do it my way rather than your way. And that's what they did. They sinned. But the unexpected consequences of sin is that it 
distance them from God. And there's this shame and all this stuff. And then in Genesis chapter 3, it says, Toward evening they heard the Lord walking about in the garden, so they hid themselves among the trees. The Lord called to Adam, Where are you? And so there was this distance, this hidden God. God was hidden, but it wasn't God that was hiding. It was them. I heard about this older couple, you know. They're out taking a drive in their car, you know, and he's kind of tooling along like this, and she's sitting way, way over here in her, her side, and, and, this, and this young couple comes ripping by them in kind of a sports car, and even though it's got bucket seats, the girl is like, she's like right up next to the guy. In fact, it looks like they're just one person in that car, and the older lady, after they get by, she looks over to her husband, she says, I remember when we used to drive like that. He's driving along. I haven't moved. <laughs> Did you get it? Sometimes God is hidden, but we're the ones that have moved because of our sin. We've distanced ourselves from God. You know, sometimes... God seems hidden because we don't know what we're looking for. We don't know what we're looking for. We think we do, but we don't. I've told this story before. Story, good stories worth telling at least 10, 15 times, right? Um, a, uh, a large Baptist church called, you know, a few years ago here and said um, that their pastor had retired. They had just, you know, great building, uh, paid for, great budget, all this. And they said, you know, some of our search committee has attended Seacoast a few times, and we love what's going on there. We would love to have kind of that here. Are you interested? And I said, well, no, I'm really not. I'm, I really feel that this is where God has planted me and called. They said, well, maybe there's somebody on your team. You know, the, the, the more we've gotten noticed, there have been a lot of churches that have called and said, maybe there's somebody on your team that could benefit from, or we could benefit from, and that's okay. That's part of it. You know, I mean, that's part of what God's called us to do. And uh, so I, I said, well, maybe so, maybe so. And uh, they said, well, we're looking for somebody with a, kind of a DNA like what you guys have going on there. I said, well, explain just kind of what's the bottom line that you need? What are you looking for? And so they explained it, you know, several things. And they said, you know, they've got to have, you know, um, an advanced theological training and degree. And um, it doesn't have to be a doctorate, but it has to be at a certain level. And at that point, we only had one person on the staff that had that. And I said to him, I said, hey, time out, time out. We've only got one person, that, and they would be great, but they've been to prison. And, uh, and it wasn't like before they were a Christian. It was actually while they were a pastor. And this is probably going to be a problem for you guys. And, and, uh, and, and the guy kind of gulped and said, yeah, that is a problem, and hung up. And as he hung up, I, I thought, you know what? They think they know what they look, they're looking for, but they really don't know what it is. Or what, what, they, They've got this preconceived idea about what their ideal leader is, but they don't know. They really don't have a clue. And a lot of times, we're that way with God. Sometimes we don't know what we're looking for. In fact, God was hidden from many characters in the Christmas story because they didn't know what they were looking for. The Jewish people who were anticipating a Messiah. And here comes Jesus. And man, they missed it in the cradle. But as he grew um, and he began to do miracles and people began to follow him and they're whispering to one another, is this the one? Is this the one? This has got to be the one. Maybe it is. And then some of the things that Jesus did disappointed them. 
And he, and, and he, wasn't, he, he wasn't what they thought he was. And they missed God. Biggest disappointed one was one of his own followers, Judas, who thought, this is going to be the one that's going to, he's going to lead us to political victory. But Jesus said, no, my kingdom isn't about that. My kingdom is deeper than that. And they missed God. The Pharisees, uh, the religious people, they were looking for a Messiah who would keep all the rules that they cared about. But they missed God because he didn't act like they thought that he would. The innkeeper, you guys know him. Man, we need to cut him some slack. You know what I mean? Uh, that, that, that Oftentimes that's what I think because, hey, there was no room in the inn. What's the guy supposed to do? Go wake up somebody and say, hey, there's this pregnant lady, nine months pregnant, and I don't see a ring on her fingers. I don't think she's married to the guy, and they need a place. You know, he, he, did, he, he didn't see God. But you know what? If the president shows up at your house, and needs a place to sleep, you don't put them on a ratty couch in the garage, do you? Oh, come on. You still don't get it. No. Out of honor and respect, you put them in your bed, you go to the ratty place in the garage. All right? You know, some of you would miss God today, too, I'm afraid. (laughs) If he'd have known, if he'd have known it was God, he'd have done something different. But instead, he saw an extremely pregnant girl and her young husband. He saw a troublesome situation, and he decided, let's just get rid of it. You know, sometimes God seems hidden in our life. We miss him because we don't know what we're looking for. We think we do. Some of us are looking for a kind of a genie in a bottle God, you know, that God exists to answer all of my wishes. If I say the magic words that God will do what I want him to do and we miss God. Some of us see a Santa Claus Jesus, you know, he's making a list and he's what? Checking it twice. Going to see who's naughty and nice. And so we have this whole thing that if we do the right thing, if we're not naughty, that God will give us what we want or He will love us and care for us, except that the Bible says just the opposite. It says He saved us even while we were on God's naughty list. That's a hard one to get through. But God loves you. God loves you. Not because of who you are and what you've done, because of what Jesus did. Some of us have a Burger King Jesus. And a Burger King God. Have it your way. I call it the Oprahization of Christianity. I get mail every time I say that, but I don't care. The God that Oprah worships is not the God that I worship. She created a new one in her own image, and it's just not hurts all kinds of people. They don't like this, they don't like this, they don't like this, so let's substitute this, this, and this. And we've created our own God, Burger King. Have it your way. The problem is we miss the real God when He comes. It's gotten quiet in here. For some people, it's a prom date God they're looking for. You know? Looking for a God to make me feel happy and fuzzy like a prom date, you know? Looking for somebody to sweep us off of our feet. And feelings are good, and I have them, and I love it when it happens. But sometimes they don't come. But when you're looking for a prom date God, and it's a constant quest for feelings... And you're going to miss God. 
And one of the scriptures that I read this morning in my quiet time was that we live by faith, not by sight. When we live by faith, we live by the truth, and, and our feelings you know, come or go or whatever, but that's not what we live by. We can miss God. Why does God seem hidden? Because we're hiding or maybe we're looking for the wrong things. Let me give you one more. Sometimes God really is hiding from us. He really is. You go, come on, you're kidding me, right? God would actually pay hide and go seek with me? Why would he do that? Well, I can think of two or three reasons. One is to draw us into a closer relationship with him. Sometimes he kind of withdraws to draw us in. Sometimes he withdraws to draw us to a new place. Example of that is Elijah, a guy named Elijah in the Old Testament. He's a prophet of God. He said some things every once in a while people got upset with. And there was a famine in the land. Famine is Hebrew for economic downturn. Okay? That's just, just so you know what it is. Everybody, anybody familiar with that? There's a famine in the land. There, there's no rain. Crops aren't producing. People are upset. And God makes a promise to Elijah. It's found in 1 Kings 17 2. It says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by the Kareth brook at the place east of where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. For I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord had told him and camped beside the Kareth brook. And the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. What a great way to camp, isn't it? I mean, I remember one time I went camping with a group of small groups here at the Long Point campus. And they set up tents and stuff by this brook. And Deb and I, we went to the bed and breakfast across the river. It's a true story. <laughs> we had breakfast and we came over and, you know, spent some time. Well, that's kind of what he was doing here. He's kind of hanging out, you know. And here comes the ravens and they're feeding. This is awesome. God, I could just retire here. Just your presence is so good. Let's just stay here. This is so nice. But it doesn't stop there. But after a while, the brook dried up. For there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then, circle then. Do you have an outline sheet? Circle then, the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near Sidon. There's a widow there who will feed you after I've given her my instruction. Okay, so here's the deal. So God has another... God wants to draw Elijah into a new assignment. Uh, and the new assignment is a faith assignment. Okay, it's like he's... You read the rest of the story and it's just an incredible story. It's not easy. It's full of faith. And whenever God draws you he it, it always involves a faith step but but it was then then i don't like then tell me what the assignment is before the brook dries up okay god that's what i want that's what good planning does right tell me what the assignment is before the brook dries up no no the brook dries up how long did that take it took a while god where are you where are the ravens what's going on here god withdrew and sometimes he does that it's okay it's okay sometimes he does it because he can do what he wants to do he created the universe he's god you know in the christmas story god had been silent for 400 years you look at the last book of the old testament malachi the first book of the new testament matthew there's a 400 year gap in there there had not been a gap like that in prophets, God always had a prophetic word for His people. He hadn't spoken. There's nothing. Why? Don't know. But He's God. He can do whatever He wants to do. All He requires of us is to be 
faithful during those times. And in the Christmas story, there are several people who are standing in faith, and they're faithful even though they don't see anything, they haven't heard from God, but they are believing for the Messiah to come. So that's the why. Why are we hiding? Or uh, why is God silent? Sometimes we're hiding. Sometimes we don't know what we're looking for. Sometimes God's actually doing the hiding. But the important question is, what do you do when God seems distant? When you pray and there's silence, when you read and you don't understand, when something happens, circumstances, and you go, wow, God, where are you? What do you do when God is hidden? Let me give you three things. If the problem is your actions, then you need to repent of it. Remember the first thing is God isn't hiding, you're hiding? Well, if that's the case, you need to repent. Recently, I was minding my own business being... God's man of the hour. And, and, and I happen to be at this, this particular point. This happened not too long ago, this week. I was doing my Bible study, and the Scripture jumped out at me. Do you love it when the Scripture jumps out at you? I love it when it's encouraging. I hate it when it exposes an attitude in my heart. Then I just keep going, keep going. Okay, yeah, that's somebody else. And Oh, man, I went... All that day, it was like, that's you. There is sin in your heart. And you say, well, what was it, Pastor? It's none of your business. (laughs) Was not nearly as bad as your sin, but it was sin nonetheless. Okay? It's like, here's what I did. Here's what I did. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to process it with you. I began to justify my own sin. Well, it's not really that bad, you know. It, it, considering the light of whatever's going on, yeah, it's not a big deal. It, I'm not perfect. Others are worse. God will cut me some slack in that. But then here's the truth. The truth is this. Any sin, my sin, your sin, any sin puts distance between me and God. And God will begin to seem hidden. And not only that, Ultimately, my sin would put distance between me and my wife, me and my children, me and my friends, me and my co-workers, and me and my church. I began to think about that. And then I read this scripture. This will bless you. 1 John 1, 5. This is the message that He has given to us and announced to you all. God is light and there is no darkness in Him at all. So we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are lying. If we say, okay, well, it's not a big deal, whatever my sin is. If we go on living like that and we say that we have fellowship with God, not true. We're not living in the truth. But if we're living in the light of God's presence, just as Christ is, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus and His Son cleanses us from every sin. If we say we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. And here's the good news. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. In my own life, God was seeming to be hidden. I was the problem. And when you're the problem, the solution is to repent. For some of you, God is hidden and you're the problem. It may be an action of sin. It may be you are willfully doing something that you know is wrong. 
And it's like, with God, you don't have to guess. There are some people that have been raised in so much condemnation and guilt, they just figure that God's mad at them all the time. And He's not. He's not. God dealt with His anger at sin in Jesus Christ on the cross. But if you're a believer, and you're in relationship with God, when you sin, it doesn't break the relationship, but it certainly breaks fellowship. Anybody that's married knows how that works. If you're married... And you got something between the two of you. Does that mean you're not married anymore? No. But could there be a fellowship problem? Uh, yes. There certainly could be. Same way with God. And so, and, and, and so and, unless you deal with it, might be an attitude, might be an action, could be bitterness, could be unforgiveness. Here, here's what I hear a lot with the whole forgiveness thing. And I don't want to take it too lightly because some of us have dealt with stuff that's so deep and so hard but if you say you know what you don't have to deal with this you know what this is god will cut me some slack on this i know he will when you begin to justify your stuff god will begin to be hidden because you're moving away from him and how do you deal with that you confess it is sin God, I'm sorry. I'm, here, here, here's the truth here. I think I know better what will serve me well than what you do. That's sin. That's sin. And so you confess it. And when you confess, He's faithful and just to forgive you. So I challenge you today to repent. Don't walk out of this auditorium or wherever you happen to do without dealing with the issues that God is putting a spotlight on in your life. Second thing you do when God seems hidden, if the problem is in your mind, if you're looking for the wrong thing, then you need to renew it. Most of the people who missed God during Jesus' time could have found Him just by cracking the Scriptures. In the, uh, in the situation of Jesus, during Jesus' lifetime, He fulfilled 48 prophecies that were in the Old Testament. In other words, hundreds of years before He was ever born, Different people, different prophets wrote um, circumstances that would exist for the Messiah to come. He would be born in a certain place. He would be born at a certain time. He would be born in a certain way. He would, you know, all of these different things. 48 prophecies. Now, this is not the purpose of my message here, but uh, those that study those types of things say that for one person over hundreds of years to fulfill all of those things... The chances of that happening is like one in trillions, proving that he's God. He's who he said that he was. But uh, people missed him. All they would have had to have done was crack the Scriptures. In fact, the apostles, after Jesus had risen from the dead and they were explaining it, and they would stand before Jewish leaders, they would stand before you know uh, national leaders, or anybody and have to argue for Jesus, they always argued for, for his validity from the Old Testament scriptures. He fulfilled this, 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 and this. Many believe today that there is a crisis of biblical illiteracy in our country. George Barna, a researcher uh, of Christian stuff, has written a lot of books, and he said this. He said, The Christian body in America is immersed in a crisis of biblical illiteracy. How else can you describe matters when most church-going adults reject the accuracy of the Bible? Most church-going adults reject 
the existence of Satan. They claim that Jesus sinned. They see no need to evangelize. They believe that good works are one of the keys to persuading God to forgive their sins. And they describe their commitment to Christianity as moderate or even less firm. He says, that's most church-going Christians. Here's an interesting fact. Do you know, do you know what the, the most widely known Bible verse among church-going... I'm not talking about people that don't go to church. Church-going believers. The most widely known Bible verse. You know what it is? God helps those who help themselves. Two problems with that verse. Number one, it's not a verse. It's not in the Bible. Number two, it isn't what the Bible teaches. Okay? And yet that's the most widely known verse in the church. We have a problem. Famous Yale professor George Lindbeck said this, when he said, when I first arrived at Yale, even those who came from non-religious backgrounds, he's talking about students, knew the Bible better than most of those who now, who come from church-going families. As a pastor, I see that. It's huge. What do you do about it? God may be hidden because of a lack of knowing who He is. Romans 12 and verse 2 gives the solution. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. What? By the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Mostly through the Word of God. Through the Word of God. Let me challenge you here. I want to challenge you, church. Look at me. In the campuses. I want to challenge you to read God's Word. I want to challenge you to read it. I want to challenge you during this Christmas season. At the beginning of this, I asked how many of you read the Christmas story. And that's not to guilt you or anything. I just, you know, sprinkling. I knew it would be about a sprinkling of people. What if we all did? What if we all did it regularly and really got something beyond what I'm teaching, beyond what we're teaching on the weekend because we are so flooding ourselves with God's Word? Now, here's a tool that you can use. It's called Version. If you're kind of a geek like me, go on your computer. It's a Bible program. And in the Version Bible program, they have daily readings. They've got one set up just for the Christmas story so that you can read the Christmas story and the Old Testament prophecies all mixed together. I challenge you to read it over and over and over again during this Christmas season. Get the Word down in here. Let it renew your mind. As you begin a new year, we're all thinking about, okay, what's our goals for next year? One of your goals, make one of your goals, reading the Bible every day. I don't care how you do it, where you read from, just read it. And here's what you need to do in order to make it where you'll actually do it, is get accountable for it. Get accountable for it. Have somebody hold you accountable for what you say you're going to do. Because that's, with me at least, that's about the only way I get anything done. Now, some of you are a lot more perfect than I am, but most of you are just like me. Somebody to hold you accountable. Read God's Word so that you don't miss God in your everyday life when He comes or so that you're led astray by some philosophy that you see on television or that's popular. Read God's Word. I challenge you to teach it to your children too. Our kids are more biblically illiterate than probably any generation that's come up in America these days. So what do you do about it? Well, the church. You know, We're dependent on the church to teach our kids. You know what? We want to help you. We want to be a supplement, but let's face the facts, gang. We have your kids for an hour, hour and a half every week, and not even every week, sometimes every other week. Do you know that the average kid watches three hours of television every day? Well, where are their values going to come from? Where are their values going to come from? Teach 
the Word. How do you do that? We can help you with that. I am so proud of so many parents in this church who have taken it seriously and said, we're going to figure it out. There are all kinds of, there are tools that you can use. We will help you with that. But make a commitment to teaching the Word. It's our responsibility as parents and grandparents to teach the Word to our children, okay? So that we don't miss God. And the third thing you can do, if God seems distant, if the problem is God's timing, then you just need to write it out. You know, sometimes, I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm not going to sugarcoat this, sometimes you just need to endure. You just need to endure. Have you ever been in a hurry when God wasn't? Anybody here? You were in a hurry to sell the house and God wasn't? You were in a hurry to get married? God wasn't? You were in a hurry to have kids? God wasn't? You were in a hurry to get a job? God wasn't? What do you do during those times? Sometimes you've got to just trust and endure. But you don't just sit there. Here's a, here's a verse. Jesus dealt with this. How do you endure? Matthew 7, 7, from the words of Jesus, He said, you know what? Keep on asking. And you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking. And you will find. Keep on knocking. And the door will be opened to you. Sometimes you get to where when God seems distant and it's not happening for you and whatever it is, you don't look anymore. Jesus said, that's not enduring. Enduring is having an, an eye. I talked about it at first Wednesday here at Long Point, that we need to have a sense of awe, a sense of anticipation, a sense of innocence that, that today God may break through. Today God knows who I am and where I am. Because God is making an announcement at this Christmas, like He has every Christmas, that I am here. To a hurting world, He's revealing Himself, and He's saying, I am here. Are you seeing Him? Are you experiencing Him? I hope you will. Let's pray. God, thank You today for Your kingdom. God, thank You for your word and the truth of your word and thank you for the reality that you are here and that you 2,000 years ago sent your son Jesus Christ to break into a world that was ignoring you to say I'm here. Now God I pray that you would help us have eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen.